C A M P A D U L T H O O D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yerke and I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we have no guests today, but we're doing another special s- topic. Yes. The wedding episode went well, got some mm-hmm. good feedback. So people seem mm-hmm. to like the format. So we've done yeah. more research on another fun topic. Shall we tell them, mm-hmm. Shay? Yes. Today's topic is Generation Z. Woo. So not mm-hmm. millennials, but I'm sure not we'll get into some comparisons. Mm-hmm. Some fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, speaking of Generation Z, we had some feedback from one of our top Gen Z listeners. Feedback is a loose term we're using. Loose loose term. Um, and our Generation Z listener slash many time former guest of the pod um, wanted to comment on our use of calling her dog Bruno fat. Which he and is. But we just want to say that Bruno is adorable and we love him and he is perfect and we're sorry that he had surgery and we wanted to let all of our listeners know that he is recovering well from his surgery. Yes. And fatter dogs are cute Maddie anyways. Maddie stands by her comment. I do. I didn't say anything wrong. I know. I agree. <laughs> I just I don't even to know why we're apologizing. Yes. Obviously we love Bruno. Bruno he's our is fave. cute. Yeah. Yes. And we of love course. him. Of course. He's very he's cute. Very sweet. Yes. Yeah. And he's very fluffy. Um, maybe if you pay us a million dollars, we'll show you the email that Kelsey wrote. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Someone should pay us a million dollars. <laughs> That'll be, that. I know she did not want us to read it on the pod, which is fine. Yeah. Feedback, feedback in air quotes noted. But yeah, if you pay us a million dollars, it's pretty good. She put a lot of thought into we'll it. We'll read it. Yeah. Yes. It was really a, a quite a literary masterpiece, if it I do is. say so myself. It really yeah. is. So. Um, okay, great. So more gen z stuff so to kick it off um mm-hmm. i figured we could start with the pew research which is okay. one of our our fave um you know i think when we started this podcast we read a lot of the pew stuff about millennials and they are now just starting to define what gen z is and doing some research behind it and they're kind of like a non-partial name partial group um so i found this article from Pew Research called Defining Generations Where Millennials End and Generation Z Begins. And so it's just a good, I think, primer if you're interested in kind of the ages that people are discussing of who Generation Z is. And so this article says uh, Gen Gen Z is people born from 1997 to 2012. And they don't have a, they're saying 2012, but they don't really have a designated end time just a designated start so the millennials are 1981 to 1996 um Mm -hmm. so all of the gen z's are in high school slash college some of them are just graduating so that's kind of the where we're looking at and then they have some some markers that we can go into which in a lot of my research i don't know if you shay found these same sort of hallmarks but kind of the two things that i think came up again and again were technology obviously which i'm sure we'll go into Mm -hmm. that 
a lot of people call millennials digital natives, but a lot of us yeah. weren't, I think. Like, yeah, even myself I, as a younger millennial, like, I had dial-up internet that I didn't really use mm-hmm. until high school. So I wasn't on, you know, a tablet, an iPad, or whatever, like, in elementary school, yeah. which I feel like is very... And I'm sure, Shay, you even had a starker contrast. Oh, yes. Um, I did. I didn't have a cell phone until I yeah. was in college. Many interesting things. Um, but I, I... Yes, I agree. I think there was a... There were quite a few things that I ran on, ran up against that were, you know, comparing millennials and Gen Z. And those were, I agree, that was one of the most interesting things is that Generation Z is a true digital native, which means that they have always from birth as babies, they could have had a smartphone in their hands where Gen Z uh, or millennials are really not. I mean, I'm certainly not a digital native. I think Maddie it has more facility, but is still, again, not that true, true, I've had a smart device since I was yeah. a tiny, tiny infant. Um, I think going along with that, because I think this is directly related, uh, Gen Zs are known as being much better multitaskers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because yes. their brains from an early age are are hardwired to switch between, um, you know, lots of bite-sized content. Uh, the other thing that really came up for me uh, as I was doing my research, because we talk about it so much for ancient millennials and how the recession yes. was this divining mm-hmm. moment for us. And I've never thought that it really affected Gen Z's at all. But I learned in my research that the recession it was actually a huge influence on Gen Z's because a lot of these kids were um, went very young in elementary school or, or younger when this happened and they saw their families mm-hmm. maybe lose their home or have to go through a major lifestyle change. So it's really affected them in a major way, including the, making them much more fiscally conservative uh, and much uh, and really looking to avoid that student debt and other forms of debt that millennials have just taken on in space. Yes. Uh, so those were kind of, I agree with you about the digital natives and then the, the recession thing were probably the two most interesting things that came up for me in my research this week. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of those, I think. Going back to the digital native thing, the other thing, in addition to the multitasking, which I definitely agree with and saw in my research as well, that they don't see a a difference in the way that millennials and older generations do between, quote unquote, real life and digital life. And so Mm -hmm. Gen Z kids, you know, if if Shay or I got a mean tweet or something about this podcast, we're probably much more easily able to turn our phones off, have a digital detox, not think about it, you know, mm-hmm. focus on friends and family. But for a Gen Z person, if they're getting bullied online or someone says something about them, even in jest online, it causes a lot more mental health issues because they don't see a difference in how people interact online and how people interact in person, which I thought was very interesting. And there's been a lot of research mm-hmm. about like anxiety and stuff related. I think a lot of the research... I couldn't find that aspect very concrete in a lot of the research that I found. Mm-hmm. I think it's still being studied, but definitely I've noticed it just interacting with Gen Z people in my life or even talking to like Kelsey and her friend when we went camping and stuff. It's very fluid between like, oh, I was hanging out with my friend and then they posted this on TikTok and then we were talking on Instagram. Like it's all kind of interwoven and it's really hard to shut off from that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And then the recession. Well, oh, oh, go ahead. Before we move no, on. I just was saying, I think you 
just kind of touched on something really interesting that I wanted want to point out is that we are just now really getting any demographic mm-hmm. information about Gen Zs. When we even started this podcast, um, gosh, over two years ago now, we didn't have this kind of information that they're now aggregating about the generation. So it's really interesting, although we have talked about them certainly from quite often over the past two years to really take this focused look at um, our successors. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. The recession, um, when I get in past the Pew article, there were some more details on this that I'll go into. But I think just as a first pass, yes, I think it's super interesting to think about the Gen X versus Gen Z dynamic versus the boomer and millennial dynamic, because that's primarily, obviously, there are some boomers raising Gen Z kids as well. But for the most part, that's kind of the split. And looking at Gen X as a foil to Gen Z, Gen X, kind of the hallmarks are they were latchkey kids. That's when divorces were on the rise. There was a sense of apathy, kind of doing things your own way kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I think to your point, Shay, like the fiscal conservatism, a lot more Gen Z kids are going to trade school or going straight into the workforce. And while it seems very conservative to us, it's actually a form of rebellion against their parents in a way as well. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And the last piece, so I think digital natives, recession, and then the last piece kind of from a more macro level was 9-11 and how that's shaped Mm. everyone's view. And Gen Z, you know, most millennials, even though the youngest millennials were in kindergarten or first grade, even being that young, you have memories of it. Like my grandma was, I think, five or six during Pearl Harbor, and she has vivid memories of it. So I think that's kind of a similar thing for millennials that Gen Z doesn't have that visceral reaction to and didn't live through it firsthand Mm -hmm. and doesn't have any memories of life before. And Mm -hmm. I think there are some far reaching consequences for that. We've talked about in the past military um, service for Gen Z's, you know, fighting wars that started 20 years ago um, and that sort of thing. And then even just like the surveillance state of like Homeland Security was not a part of the government Mm -hmm. apparatus until after that. And thinking about in conjunction with the digital native aspect, like just giving all this information and all of this data online and being like, eh. And I think there's, I don't know if thinking about it nihilistically, but like talking to Gen Zs, they're like, eh, everything's trash anyways. I'm going to die in 10 years. And so they don't really care that they're giving away all of their stuff to like Instagram Mm -hmm. and TikTok and whatever, which I think is a little bit of a problem, but um, I just thought that was interesting. So that that is the... Pew article that we will link to. There's a lot more like demographic stuff um, in there, and it's it's pretty short, obviously, because they don't have as much stuff to say. But I think it's a good it's a good start. Um, the next thing, McKinsey, which is a consulting firm, they put together um, a document that I thought was really interesting about. It's it's an article that's geared towards advertisers and companies on how to get Gen Z people to buy things. Um, oh, I think I, which I think is really continue, interesting. Did yeah. you also see this one? Um, I, I made it. Yeah. So, I thought this was really really interesting. Look, they kind of compare um, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z in terms of buying habits and how people spend money. And so they talking about behavior and consumption habits. So like millennials were, um, you know, globalists. We've talked a lot about this, more willing to spend money on experiences, festivals, travel, as opposed to items like millennials are 
apt to spend thousands of dollars going on a great honeymoon, but maybe won't buy a house right after they get married, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and baby boomers were much more attached to items like the pack rat mentality of a lot of our parents and grandparents. I think a lot of that is because they were raised by the um, you know, greatest generation and you don't want to waste anything. But there was kind of this sense in the 60s and 70s of like excess, like it's great to be an American, you can buy whatever you want the land of opportunity and then gen x kind of took that a step further and the rise of luxury brands were really big in the 80s and 90s and using yeah. cars as status symbols and i think with both millennials and gen z that's kind of gone to the wayside but gen z in particular which i've definitely seen this in gen z's that i've interacted with is the rise in and I, i'm putting it in quotes for a reason ethical consumption which mm-hmm. i think is actually kind of dangerous in a way like companies are getting away and especially reading this article that's geared towards like companies they're like if you have a a mission statement that's readily available online gen z is going to find it they're going to buy your stuff it's not that your product is actually doing something good or made with safe ingredients or anything it's just a marketing tool for gen Mm -hmm. z and especially since they are kids they are very susceptible and it's kind of the cool thing to do and you know i think i think it's a I'm not trying to be too cynical about it. I think it's a great step in the right direction that Gen Z is questioning some of this stuff. And I think any step in the right direction of, you know, buying more recyclable things, not buying things that you don't need. Like, I think those are all good things. But I think some of it, like, just because it's not the Gen X, like, I'm buying the Lexus to show the people on my block that I'm making money. The eco-conscious stuff is the same thing, just in a different packaging. So I just want to point that out. Yeah. Um, same thing. Well, I thought. And I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I think what's really interesting about Gen Z too is I think you see this in their buying, you know, what they buy all the time is because they certainly do. Again, like you said, that that socially conscious, environmentally conscious products are very attractive to them, but they aren't. And this is, I think, just because they are young, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about this a lot, right? Youth versus generation. So they're generationally attracted to that, but they're still young. So, right. They will also make impulse purchases of things that are terrible for the environment. You know, if you look at how many of them have AirPods or buy such and such, or, you know, their parents are buy them a lot of things in individual packets. Like they're not, they, they really don't understand that concept yet. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how that changes their buying power as they truly come into maturity. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, that they talk about in this in terms of buying and how to market things, but I think it has broader implications than that, is um, like the radical expression of truth that Gen Gen Z has. And I've noticed this both in the way that they're more open, like in this article they surveyed um, different generations and it's historically been thought that about 10% of the population is gay or some somewhere on that spectrum and if you mm-hmm. survey Gen Z specifically it's more like 20% so wow. that has a lot of implications for like well is it nature versus nurture kind of thing which I don't want to get mm-hmm. into but it's more of a acceptance of like everyone's an individual and there's no like one bucket that you can put everyone in and obviously that makes it very difficult for advertisers to lump people into buckets and yeah you see a lot a lot more this radical inclusiveness of like well if it's wrong for one person even if it's right for 99 people it's wrong altogether like that kind of moral um line in the sand which i think is really interesting 
Um, and I also think the radical, like, this is my truth also leads to some oversharing, I think, a little bit that I've mm-hmm. seen, both, yeah. like, online and in person, like, stuff that not everyone needs to know about you. And I don't know yeah. if that's just me being getting older and being like, eh, not everything needs to be shared, or if it's the the digital native thing of everyone's a brand, they're putting themselves out there. But I've just mm-hmm. noticed that with younger kids. I'm like, I would never say that to someone that was older than me or someone that I had just met that mm-hmm. was another adult or, you know, to my parents. Like, the, And I think part of it is good. Like, you want to be more open about mm-hmm. sexuality and some of this stuff, but some of it's like, you know, mm-hmm. take it back. <laughs> Talk about yeah. it amongst yourselves. I don't want to yeah. know. Yeah, you know exactly, I mean? exactly. Like, I couldn't imagine. But again, I think especially in terms of sexuality, these kids are, if they are coming out, they're coming out mostly, I mean, hopefully to a much higher level of acceptance and, and tolerance. And there's a really a lot of kind of doubling down on exactly what their sexuality or their orientation is, which I feel like even for people of my generation, you could be kind of like, I'm gay and that's as far as it went or I'm queer. And now, you know, because I even remember this where I was mentoring some very, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg of the Gen Zs and it's all like, well, I'm hetero romantic but homosexual. Sometimes it gets a little much. Yeah, sometimes. And again, I don't don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think that it's wonderful and I, I love that there are so many different ways of expressing one sexuality but again i think like you said isn't that a personal thing right how you feel like well, does that, that need to be your orientation can't you just be you know totally. queer? it's like it's a so it's both like it's a personal thing that you shouldn't feel like you have to share with everyone you yes. come in contact with yeah but it's also i think in some ways and i don't want to be too general about this but i think sometimes that like micro categorization of just mm-hmm. like everyone's an individual, it can be kind of attention seeking. And like, yeah, we're not doing it to like broaden the conversation. We're doing it to be like, I'm special and yeah, unique because, kind of thing. Um, and that can be a little yeah. obnoxious. And I think this is what you read as well. You know, millenn- or Gen Z's love to be have that individuality catered yes. to. So the more they can double down on again, really defining getting really granular about their identity. And if they find that being catered, I mean, this is how, and this is why I think there's so much micro marketing and influencer marketing is so important because a company can be like, Hey, we can dump a couple grand on this influencer and hit a very specific niche market. And, and that's worth it. I think for Gen Z's. Totally. And I think the last, um, piece of this article kind of two things the last one of the last ones is the religious aspect i found this super interesting that um more gen z people are they kind of broke it down into like they surveyed a bunch of different generations but they broke it down into catholic evangelical other and then atheist or no stated religion Mm. and compared to both millennials and then baby boomers and gen x um the areas where there are is more Gen Z engagement is in either atheist or no stated religion and evangelical. And it seems to be cutting mm. into the other bucket and Catholic, oh, which I thought was super interesting. So evangelical specifically, just because I'm like fascinated by this particular demographic well, of people like in baby boomer Gen X, it was 30 percent millennials. It was 28. So less. And then with Gen Z, it jumps up to 36. So 6 percent mm-hmm. higher than 
Interesting. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the, what I like to call youth group culture. I mean, the whole idea of young living and all of that kind of stuff, you know, that has a huge Yeah, and like Justin Bieber, all the celebrities and these like mega churches. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's something really interesting happening there and, and maybe that's a topic, you know, something for another. Yeah. I think it's a sense of community. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. to get into it too much, but I think it is like a sense of community and I've even seen it you know, I'm not a part of any of those groups. I don't judge people that are, but like I like to watch the Duggars, for example, and they're a very oh god, extreme. I'm so fascinated. Yes, and the new the new season is like way better than oh they must have gotten a new producer or something, but it's awesome. I um, don't get that channel. Oh my god! Well, you can find it online TLC, or okay. I think on Amazon you can buy the seasons. But anyways, they um now like the they're starting to like splinter like some of the kids like ginger wears pants now and they like had a whole episode about how ginger wears pants and for people that don't know it's like a family with 19 kids and some of them are older now so they're starting to get married and then now they're having like a bajillion kids so it's very fascinating but I find myself watching that show and it's very easy because they're so nice and genuine and pleasant and it doesn't seem like there's any coercion happening and especially now that the kids are getting older and the parents are like, yeah, Ginger decided to wear pants. It's not like she's a harlot now. And, like, it's not a choice I would make for myself. But, like, she's fine. Like, mm-hmm. they give you, as, like, a normal person, like, a mainstream person, like, a little glimpse of, like, oh, they're normal. They're just nice people, mm-hmm. like, living their life. It's totally fine. And you can see why, like, especially as a woman on that show, I'm like, these women have it made. They They're on a TV show. All they have to do is, like not I'm not trying to diminish this but like they all the men work and the women all sit around and are just pregnant all the time and they have this whole support network of like I think five Duggar women are pregnant right now so like yeah they're all due within the same year so I'm like that's such a great nice community support system Mm -hmm. to be a part of like if I got pregnant right now I would be the only one of my friends I would be struggling every day financially and emotionally and physically like it wouldn't be fun but I'm like oh I could see why this lifestyle is appealing especially for Mm -hmm. someone that's young it's like oh they're beautiful they all seem Mm -hmm. to love each other so I think it's part of that as well Well, like some of these tv shows yeah and I think also like their whole I mean we could do a whole episode on the Duggars Maddie (laughs) and I are both very obsessed but you know also again that aspect of community they have you know, when it's not just in that family that every time they have a wedding, like right. a thousand people come to it. And that's not because they're famous. This is no. just their like literal yeah. personal connection. And um, yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, yeah, I think community is 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 really important for Gen Z's. And yeah, um, and it goes back to the marketing. The I think like these evangelical groups more so than the Catholics for sure are like modernizing and they're all online and they're all like, mm-hmm. oh, you can come and they don't ever like if you've ever been tried like if anyone's ever tried to like rope you into one of these things like it's mm-hmm. never like they're never open about it. like they're very open but at the same time they're very like oh it's just a group of like cool people hanging out mm-hmm. and they don't lead with the Jesus stuff so I think that's really good and uh, again I think because Gen X was kind of anti that Mm-hmm. it's it's a way to rebel against your parents and be cool in a way mm-hmm. if you're doing something different from them so yeah I think that's so interesting I thought that was very very cool and then it talks a lot about which we've talked about in previous episodes so I'll just kind of gloss over it but um 
the actual, like, Gen Z has been called the activist generation. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of different aspects, but they actually, in this study, talked about, like, the mobilization of Gen Z is crazy. Like, if you survey millennials and Gen Zs on a lot Mm -hmm. of topics, they're actually very lockstep in, like, would you buy from a brand that said something blatantly homophobic? Like, across the board, people are like, no. But if you actually study the habit, the buying habits of Gen Z versus millennials, Gen Z is more apt to put their money where their mouth is and actually like post on their own social media about brands and go after companies that do this kind of stuff. And on one hand, I'm like, I don't really, I think sometimes it's like, we don't want to be loud about every little thing. Like there needs to be some nuance so that when something Mm -hmm. really, really bad is happening, we can all mobilize against it. Like not everything deserves the same level of noise and attention, but I do think it's good that they're not being hypocritical, just like keyboard mm-hmm. warriors. So yeah, yeah, I love that. I do like. Well, I that. think that's so funny because I think that comes back to our our silly little conversation about Bruno. Like there was no when I was like, Kelsey, write an email and tell us how you feel. It was like ten minutes later she had this email in our inbox, and I think for someone of our generation, it would be like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's a lot. Well, it goes back to the point I was saying about like how you, I think they've grown up really quickly and they see themselves as equals. Not that I don't, I actually see Kelsey as being an equal to us. I don't like Mm -hmm. look down on her in any way because she's a kid, but like I, I probably wouldn't for better or for worse as a kid, like send an email to a family member and someone that I've only met a couple times mm-hmm. about something well, like that. And she feels comfortable doing that for better or for yeah. worse. I think that there's a lot of interesting things about that. Well, and I think this goes to something that I came across in my research and that's that Gen Z's are super early starters. So yeah. they all want to have their YouTube channel, their Instagram, their little business. And it, it's yeah, now very entrepreneurial. Yeah, they're super entrepreneurial and it's it's commonplace for them to be doing this in elementary school where I think previous generations had there was much more of a culture of like you wait till you pay your dues. And for them, if they're a 10 year old with a YouTube channel, it's not I mean, they treat it as serious business. It's not just like here I am making this YouTube channel for fun, like how me and Kelsey with her slime. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, and we she, talked about that in past episodes. She exactly. was selling her slime that she made to her friends. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes back to the fiscal conservatism, the seeing, you know, maybe your parents struggle financially a little bit and not wanting that to happen to you and really taking advantage of these new technologies and stuff mm-hmm. to spread exactly. the word. So I, agree. I do think it's good. I do think that there is still some, like I was talking to a friend and we have this mutual friend who's both who's a little younger than us and she I guess reached out to both of us to kind of have the same conversation and then me and this friend were like oh did you talk to so-and-so and we realized we had kind of the same experience and she reached out to me and she was like I'm ha- I, I want to switch jobs like I'm having a really hard time with my boss and this was I think her first job out of college and I was like okay like tell me about it like I've had a couple jobs at this point like mm-hmm. I'm not well seasoned by any means but you know as a slightly older person I was like you know tell me about it and she was like well you know he he tells me like this isn't really how we do it here like 
he I've asked I've told him like some of my ideas and he was like kind of shutting me down and I was like okay well how long have you worked there and she was like a month and I was like okay well maybe maybe you want to wait until you've proven that you can do the basic level job and then he'll be more likely to listen to you and she was like yeah but the way that he's doing it is just like so bad and it's just like wasting us money and Mm -hmm. stuff and I totally hear where she's coming from and I've been there myself but I'm also like girl there is a place for like understanding the place that you're in and not burning a bridge and stepping on people's toes and like giving something more than a month's worth of your time before you write it off you know and I think this is very similar to millennials um and I think we talked about this a little bit in our episode with Dr. Carolyn Four, and you know they like to know the whole picture. And I think right. a lot of times, again, someone a bit older and a different and a Gen X or a Boomer went to work and they like ticked the boxes and they did what they were supposed to do and they didn't really know nor care so much about what the bigger picture was. Yeah. And now if someone comes to the workplace and they're a millennial or Gen Z and they're not privy to that, I think they have an experience very much like your friend, which the reason why her boss, who I have a feeling is probably like 30, is, yeah. isn't is receptive is she has no idea why he's not receptive. He could very much not be receptive because he's got people aren't receptive to his ideas right. the next level up. And he's like, I can't push your idea through if I can't push my own yeah. through, you know, or so he's just busy. Just like it could be anything. Understanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But I think, you know, it's easy to look at that and be like, well, it's, enti- it's an entitlement issue. And I think mm-hmm. for some people it is. And I think sometimes, you know, it, it's an ebb and a flow. Like I can, I can see both sides because I've been in the workplace, like even just this week, I'm like, I don't know why this like, fucked up situation is happening and now I'm having to work on it and stay late on a Friday like that's not cool I'm not happy about that but am I going to quit my job and make a ranty YouTube video about it no of course not Mm -hmm. but I think I think there is still I think there's so many good things about Gen Z and I think they're pushing all of society up from the bottom in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways but I do still think in society, there is a place for, like, work ethic means something, even if it's just working for the sake of working, and mm-hmm. respect for people that are older than you does mean something, and showing an entitlement attitude, whether it's entitled to money, entitled to people's time, like, yeah, you know, I don't think that those are good character traits, and I think that there are ways to you know, use that activist mindset to change your situation, but not belittle the people, the individuals above you that are just trying to do their job kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I Um, agree. So, and I think they're not, I think it's going to be really interesting because the first kind of wave of Gen Z just graduated from college. But I think Mm -hmm. as kind of the younger ones that are in middle and high school are getting into that like 18 to 24 age bracket, it's going to be super Interesting Interesting. to see what happens. Yeah, because I think there is this very, like, and I I, I think every generation, like, faces this, but I think especially with Gen Z, because we, and we've talked about this in the past, they're used to, like, a certain lifestyle of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you obviously have to make a certain level of money to, like, own a smartphone and own a computer and, like, make Mm -hmm. your YouTube videos and do this stuff. Like, this is not cheap. It's very cheap if you're in middle school and your parents have bought you all of this stuff and you have no overhead. But once you're in college and you're like, hey, wait a minute, like, 
my professor said something and yes of course you should speak up but respectfully and you can't send a ranty email to every single person and expect them to respond well the way that you want them to so I think that'll be really interesting to see how some of this behavior changes I think some of it is is um you know a maturity thing but I think I I hope they don't lose that spirit of questioning the status quo Mm -hmm. but I also don't think it's appropriate to just like yell at people that are older than you just because you don't understand where they're coming from yeah I completely Um, agree okay so should I do I'll do I'll do the more the more serious topic first yeah and then we can go into the fun one or do you want to go through more of your like more basic kind of doing some of this like gen z versus millennials yeah let me just make a few other points before you go into your article unless that's what your Mm -hmm. article is um no it's a few things we haven't touched on and the first is that gen z's in general have higher expectations than millennials Mm. but they're more realistic so Millennials have very low expectations for their job, for school, for debt, et cetera, but they're super optimistic. So while Gen Zs expect to make more money and be more successful, but overall they're realists. So I, I found that to be a really interesting thing. And then this was kind of described as being the Harry Potter versus the Hunger Games generation. Mm. So millennials were brought up on kind of more fantasy while Gen Z's are more about dystopia. And I think that's really interesting because, um, you know, both. So Harry Potter, for example, yeah, yeah, is, is a super kind of a dark book, but has a happy ending. And the hunger games is God, I is a bleak book with kind of a happy ending, but also kind of a, dark ending so I, I just thought that was a really interesting yeah. kind of comparison I've definitely noticed that like in younger people that I talk to where they'll mm-hmm. be like well we're all everything's gonna break out in World War Three, and we're mm-hmm. all gonna drown because the sea is rising and so nothing mm-hmm. I do matters I don't need to save money yeah. I don't need to do anything which is really interesting and I think it also what we were just talking about about like being able to say whatever you want and I actually think like we were talking about it with like the okay boomer thing that we were talking mm-hmm. about with Zach yeah. in the previous episode of like um like Gen Z like they do I think compared to millennials and Gen X have a much darker sort of non-PC whatever you want to call it sense of humor mm-hmm. like younger comics like I kind of follow stand up close stand up comedy closely and Corey and I go see it a lot and I've noticed like if you see a lineup with like people in their 30s and 40s and then they'll have like a young a young upstart open the show or something Mm -hmm. it's like a very stark difference and it's very refreshing because i i kind of i kind of like that and i think comedy is one of those things where you should be able to say say what you want we've talked about that in the Mm -hmm. past but um i see it even with like younger kids that i see or even now my brother works in a middle school so he tells me stuff about the kids that he works with and i'm like wow that was like a dark joke for mm-hmm. a 12 year old and yeah. I think it's because and they're they're willing to like write it online and put their full name on it and I think it's because yeah. they are like well do I really need to go to college like if I don't go to college who cares like yeah I mean I, I didn't work- want to go to college right anyway so yeah. when people are like oh well your professor like even like me I've said this even in this episode like mm-hmm. your professor is going to get upset in college and they're like well I'm not going to go to college like you're dumb you took on well, all this day I don't need to go to college yeah. like it becomes this whole like uh-huh 
And well, I, I don't care that's... about my future thing. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that that's really interesting because that's been a huge generational shift as, you know, we've moved towards Generation Z because I think for millennials, particularly for ancient millennials, there was never a question of not going to college. Like you right. literally only didn't go to college if you were maybe slow. Like everybody yeah. went to college. Or you like and joined. I mean, even like Corey, like he joined the military, but he was yeah. like, there was no or option. Like that's military. part of what he he was yeah. like, well, I wasn't going to go to college. So like I wasn't just going to sit yeah. on my ass and work at McDonald's or whatever. No disrespect to people that work at McDonald's. But you know yeah. what I mean? It's like he was like, that's I, my only option, you know? Yeah. I, I just think that that's really really interesting and, and um, has been a big shift. But yeah, and I think, again, talking about education, another thing that I came across, and this is kind of my last thing. Well, first of all, again, that they are, again, their online and offline lives are very closely linked. So therefore, they truly are global citizens, because they they, they, they look at themselves not as a citizen of the U.S. or whatever mm-hmm. country, but a, as a true citizen of the world, which I think is really interesting. But also that they um, prefer – this I found this on the University of Colorado's website – that they prefer to consume snack-sized education. So if you are looking to connect as an educator with a Gen Z, you can't expect them to sit down and listen to – a 75 minute lecture, like that's not as going to be as successful for um, these new younger students. So it's really challenging educators and figuring out how to produce content, right? Because these kids are constantly consuming content and the content from the professor is no different than the content from the YouTube star to them. So these people are having the educators are now having to kind of compete and and package their content in different ways and i just thought that was very very interesting yeah i hear that from like my brother and he was recently on a field trip here and i was talking to like his boss who i've known for many years and she was like because i'm always interested and i was asking her just because i was curious but also for this podcast because she's been teaching for like I would say probably 10 years at this point. So she kind of has seen like the shift from millennials to Gen Z. And Mm -hmm. I actually asked my high school theater teacher about this too, Mm -hmm. the one that introduced me to Zach. And they both kind of had similar things where I was like, you've seen like the kids are always the same age. And like, obviously Mm -hmm. you change as an adult, but like the kids are always the same age. So it doesn't really matter. I was like, is there a difference or not really? Because I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn. And they were both like, oh no, there is a very very stark difference in different ways and for mr d my theater teacher he was like there is like like when i i was his student as a millennial and he was like you and none of your friends like if there was like something that i disliked about a a class that he taught or something or we were like Mm -hmm. upset about a grade or whatever he was like i would never hear about it like sometimes a, a parent a concerned parent like there were definitely helicopter parents in the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. But he was like the students themselves kind of like understood what was going on and yeah. understood that like what we were doing was like, this is the class. We're all in it together. And mm-hmm. he was like, I get at least like every term, probably four or five kids that complain about something, either like 
that I was too harsh. And he's an acting teacher. So sometimes it's like you have to comment on like, oh, well, you held yourself in a particular way. And it wasn't as convincing Uh as if you held yourself. So it is like comments on people's physical appearance and on the way they talk and things like that. And he's like, I've had to change the way that I talk about things. The kids today, because they're so, the kids today, because they're so connected and they're kind of, like you were saying, they see themselves as citizens of the world. They don't see themselves as being different. They're radically inclusive. They don't see why, like, oh, this is a part where you have to tap, there's a tap dance solo and you have no experience tap dancing. And oh, by the way, like, you're not a very good dancer in general because you're very out of shape. Like, that's not something that is very readily received by a a Gen Z person in a way that millennials are like, we're a little bit more self-aware about that and a little bit more, I think, like, there was a little bit more shame there, which I think is bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the Gen Z, they're like, I own my whole self. I should have every opportunity available to me, which I think is good. But it also makes it very hard for educators who are like, I'm trying to prepare you for the real world and the real world is not very nice, especially in the acting space. Um, So he was like, I've had to not like the close relationship that like, I think he and I had when I was in high school. He's like, I don't do that anymore because the kids don't like, I don't like now there's a bigger difference between like, I'm the teacher and they're the kids. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, like, I used to think, like, oh, we're having an intellectual conversation. You're in high school and I'm the adult, but, like, we still have a common ground. And now he's like, mm-hmm. I've been, you know, yelled at by too many students and parents being yeah. like, well, you've I- made me cry in class and that's not okay. And he's like, well, acting school, which I know because I lived with Jenny, like, yeah, there's a lot of emotional turmoil there. So yeah. I think there is a little yeah. bit of a sensitive streak. And then the other woman, well, Courtney, was talking about the cell phones that, like, mm-hmm. they're very distracted because I was like we there were some kids like in my middle school that had cell phones but like it was very rare and she was like oh yeah like we don't even try to police it anymore because the parents will get upset they'll be like oh well you took away the cell phone now I can't get a hold of them for pickup like what are you going to do school so it's like yeah very hard for them to do that given the history or the increased number of school shootings in this country parents get very sensitive over not potentially not being able to get in touch with their kids even now like Jackson before this is the last thing I'll say the like they just took away like the kids aren't at the middle school that Jackson teaches at they're not allowed to play football which I'm like fine that's a dangerous sport but they're not allowed to play soccer at recess because a kid Mm. got hurt and a parent complained like all this stuff I think it's so hard working at a school now yeah especially Jackson because he wants to like talk to all the kids as if they're his friends and I'm like they're not your friends yeah well I mean I think again that could be a topic for a whole nother episode which is school today I mean it's so interesting things we see at David's kids school but you know I think one thing that's really interesting as it relates to Gen Z is we talk so much with them about this radical transparency that they have but this is also happening where they really can't keep anything private and I see this with my little cousins where their grades are posted online immediately to a forum where their parents can see it. So they was just like a wall street journal article or something about that. Yeah. Or like, so they're immediately susceptible to their parents, either caring or not caring or giving them a hard time and, uh, about their grades. And I was like, wow, I I find that really sad because I feel like for me, such a lesson in high school was, you know, maybe not doing as well on a test or an exam or a project, but 
not that I would like hide it from my parents. I certainly wouldn't, but it like to have, you can work on it on your own, my own agency. Exactly. To, and, and the, my, and to recognize my desire to change that as my own internal drive that was not externally motivated by my parents' desires for me to excel, I think was really important part of learning who I was and then being able to fix that and then feeling the pride and like, oh, I brought this grade from an 82 to a 96 because I wanted to and I worked hard at it, not because my parents saw my grades and got on my butt and told yeah. me I couldn't do the cross country team or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting difference. And I wonder how that will kind of play out in the workforce, um, because I do think there's a lot of stuff now in the workforce that's a lot more transparent, right? Our emails are all kind of connected and, and a lot of, especially if you're doing client work, all of that's transparent. You don't get to have any private conversations. With, oh, yeah. Um, they hire people. Like yeah. There were people at Goldman. There was a whole department of people that their whole job was like reading your emails. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I think really- that's really interesting. You talk about the external versus internal motivation. And I think that plays into like the experience that Mr. D was having of like students vocalizing issues Mm-hmm. And I totally felt that way as well. Like I would like if a teacher yelled at me and I cried, which I don't think really happened that often. But like if it did happen, I would like either just sit with it myself, which maybe isn't mm-hmm. the most healthy thing, or I would talk about it with like another kid. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't like get up in front of the class or like mm-hmm. be like, we're all going to like do this mass, like whatever thing. Like I wouldn't turn it into like a source of us versus them. activism yeah. yeah and i think i think part of it is the external motivation of like well if if it's an injustice that's being perpetrated towards me or a perceived injustice even if it's just like oh obviously teachers are gonna yell at you they're people like it happens um like there isn't that innate sense of well i just have to deal with it on my own kind of thing um and now that i'm thinking about it like i don't know what the right I think there's pros and cons to both sides. Like, I think millennials have kind of sucked it up in a way that's not very healthy. Like, we look at, like, the Me Too movement. Like, so many people have had to stay silent for so many, like, injustices. But now I feel like with Gen Z, they're very vocal. Even, like, the hour that I spent with my brother on the field trip, I was like, whoa, these kids are, like, any any slight thing that's wrong that's happening, mm-hmm. like they will let you know and they want to talk about it and I feel like that's got to be exhausting if you're around kids all day kid yeah Um, for sure cool all right all right moving on yes so this is just actually I'll do I'll do the more the more serious journalistic topic and then we can end with my more fluff piece um so I've talked about this book in the past you alluded to the increase in school shootings which I don't want to get into too much. I think we've talked about that in previous episodes, but definitely something that I think looking at Columbine that happened in the 90s, that was kind of a a herald moment for millennials. And it's only, unfortunately, escalated since then in a very negative way. And I just love this book by Dave Cullen Parkland. I think I talked about it when I first read it like a year ago or so whenever it came out. And I love this book. He wrote a book called Columbine about Columbine. And that book is much more about the actual shooting. It reads much more like a true crime. And they do talk about the media aspect and how kids responded. And so it it is, I think, a good look into millennial life. But it's a lot darker and sadder of a book. This book, Parkland, he purposefully was like, we don't care about the perpetrator. He is not part of this narrative. 
and what actually happened the day of the shooting is like not super remarkable but was what was remarkable was the activism and all this stuff that came out after it and whether or not you no matter what side you fall on the gun control debate I think it's an awesome book as a study of Gen Z culture specifically and how these like 17 16 17 18 year olds like kind of played older generations to their advantage based on the fact that they know how YouTube works how Instagram works um and because they're not afraid like you look at Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg and a bunch of these other kids like no matter what you feel about them the one indisputable fact is like they're not afraid to say whatever the fuck yeah if it's it's offensive if it's full of profanities and Dave Cullen actually calls that out at some point in the book he's like oh I'm a I'm a respected journalist and these kids keep dropping the f-bomb on me and they're like well that's how we talk with our friends. Why would we talk to you any differently? Mm-hmm. And so that he was like, that's a stark difference from the Columbine kids who like, there's been a couple like documentaries or like 60 minutes articles mm-hmm. made, but like none of them are super public figures. None of them, like some of, I, I shouldn't say none, like some of them have come up and um, I'm thinking specifically of Patrick. I'm forgetting his name, but he was the one in the iconic shot, like coming out of the library and he ended up, being in a wheelchair he's been pretty active in the gun control movement but like it wasn't until you know he's in his 40s now i think Mm -hmm. um so it's a very different mindset but i pulled some so i would just recommend this book and i pulled some quotes that again are just about kind of the um you know gen z sort of media strategy not necessarily about the shooting itself um and so the there's a chapter, chapter 13, they talk about, um, you know, what makes people politically active. And they talk about 9-11, which I find very interesting. Like the two, the only two places that they found in the past like 100 years where people act actively started engaging more in the political process was after 9-11 and immediately after Donald Trump got elected. And that's mm, when interesting. these kids started like becoming adults I should say like 16 was with that so it was kind of like a perfect storm type thing Mm -hmm. and I think I've definitely seen that with a lot of Gen Z kids um and then I thought this was really interesting this part where they talk about um you know how politicians like I think you spoke about this like Gen Z is looking for this like sense of truth and they're very realistic and they they don't want to be bullshitted and politicians Mm -hmm. their number one thing that they want to do is bullshit people and gen z has the best bullshit detector of like you're not being real with me and Mm -hmm. i think you see that with a lot of the um parkland kids as well so i thought that was um super interesting and then there's another part of the book where they talk about um you know what Dave Cullen was like sitting with these kids and he was and they were like well when I when he, he was like when I was a kid I would come home I would do my homework I would maybe have a snack and then I would like go play ball in the street or I would watch like a cartoon like what do you guys do after school mm-hmm. and they were like 100% across the board they were all like we come home we have a snack we do homework and then we watch whatever's in our YouTube subscription mm. box and he yeah. was like oh I didn't realize he was like I knew kids used YouTube obviously YouTube is a big company yeah. but he was like you guys watch YouTube every day and they were like, yeah, that's all we watch. Like we don't watch TV at all. And so he was like, wow, "Wow, that's crazy. And like a lot of these news places that were covering Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg and stuff, Mm -hmm. they were like, like Emma Gonzalez got like 1.2 million Twitter followers, like three months after 
this happened like that's crazy like most i think like people that are like the bachelor get like a million so she has more followers than that and it's because of these younger kids Mm -hmm. and so um i just thought that was very interesting they're talking about like where their generation lives and they never they were so successful like a lot of people you know the conspiracy is that the kids are Mm -hmm. like being paid and they're actors and like all that stuff and Mm -hmm. he definitely debunks that and part of why that conspiracy lives is they're like well these are kids like how are they able to like orchestrate all of this media stuff Mm -hmm. and dave cullen really proves in this book i think that it's because they're using all of these things that are native to them they're not doing anything that's that they need an adult to do they're posting on tiktok they're posting on snapchat they're doing Mm -hmm. all the normal stuff they're just instead of talking about whatever dumb shit kids usually talk about they're talking about gun control like it's Mm -hmm. not that far of a stretch so um I just really like that book and I learned a ton about kids and I love Dave Cullen because he does such great research and he got so much like he basically was embedded with these kids for almost a year so he got a lot of like anecdotal of their like very raw conversations with each other so yeah um I just love it I think it's a great book yeah um so the last article I have is from BuzzFeed and oh i think i also pulled this one yeah go on gen z is calling gen x the karen generation is that the one that is exactly the one i just thought it was very funny and they have the photo of the reality bites um it's kind of a come off of like the okay boomer thing but yeah they're like oh we can't leave gen x out of it and like karen is kind of a I don't want to say derogatory, but it's, like, a term for, like, someone that's mm-hmm. older, like, a mom who, like, asks to talk to the manager, like, someone like that, or, like, yeah. a barbecue Becky type, you know. Yep. We, all, we all know. We have an image in our mind of a Karen. And so they're, like, oh, well, like, Gen X, like, just because boomers are terrible, like, Gen X can't get away with it either. They're, like, yeah. your mom who's, like, policing you and, like, doesn't really understand much of anything. Yeah. And so I just thought it was very funny. I definitely think that like I said Gen Z has like a good sense of humor and I think older people don't they take it very literally sometimes and feel very insulted as opposed to seeing it as like a little bit of a Mm -hmm. maybe a little mean satire um but yeah I just thought it was a it was a funny thing that the youths are just bashing on us but not millennials yet the older not millennials yet except we I think we got called boomer recently yeah, which I was like, that's funny. I, was anyway, like, that's I do think the, the whole Karen thing cracks me up because I've heard the like, well, I, my former assistant at Kinder used to call people women he didn't like Rachel's and it took <laughs> me a while to figure out what he was talking about. And I think it's, it's very interesting. It's so, very similar. Um, There's so much yeah. just youth culture happening that... You got to stay on top of it. I feel like BuzzFeed, they're pretty good. There was another article that we can talk about in a future episode, but Mm -hmm. um, it was, I think it just came out in on BuzzFeed, but it was talking about like reasons why millennials can't save money essentially. Yeah. And a lot of it was, it's not like, like obviously student debt is a big thing, but it was like the, it was more so focused on, um, like parental care and how so many Mm -hmm. millennials are supporting their parents financially and they get this bad rap for like oh well you live at home you're a loser you can't get your own stuff but it's like so many millennials 
don't actually want to be living at home. They are because mm-hmm. they're taking care of an aging parent or yeah. their parent needs their income, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was super interesting. It's it's a really long article because they interviewed, like, 50 people and they have, like, little vignettes about them. But mm-hmm. I love BuzzFeed for that because they have very good, like, yeah. specific... Oh, their like, journalism is excellent. Yeah. Well, they have very specific, like, this is about Gen Z. This is about millennials. Mm-hmm. That is obviously very good yeah. fodder for this podcast. But Yeah, we love um, it. Yeah, so okay. that's all the kind of re- stuff, I mean, researchy I stuff. I think but we really covered takes? everything there is to say about Gen Z so far. There'll be more to say soon, I'm sure. But again, I think just going back, I think it's so interesting how over the course of having this podcast, we've, we're have we shifting from this touch point of millennials to the touch point of Gen Z. And I, and I think that's... I. I think it's going to be a really interesting shift. And I, and I think as we shift, we as a culture have also really um, continued to sink our teeth into wanting these generational dividers to mean something. And, and I think that makes our work here on this podcast even more important. Yeah, I think it's a good way. Like, obviously, you know, it's kind of like horoscopes, right? It's like there's truth in it if it resonates with you and I think there was mm-hmm. a lot in doing this research that resonated with me not only mm-hmm. with like understanding millennials better but being like oh this is this is why this young person that I was talking to was acting like this like it's mm-hmm. because they grew up watching their parents in the recession like I think it's just a it's just a way it's like the Enneagram yeah. it's like a way to it doesn't really mean anything but it just describes it's a way to articulate mm-hmm. how you feel yeah, um exactly and that's how I feel about it but definitely if you're a Gen Z listener or any listener and you're like, wow, all of that was just a load of crap. I feel personally victimized. Like definitely reach out. And I think, you know, and we know those Gen Z's are going to feel personally victimized. Yeah, that's totally fine. I would love, you know, especially for these more deeper dive topics, we can certainly, you know, this won't be the last time we talk about Gen Z. So if there's Mm -hmm. anything in, in particular that you want us to address or that, you know, obviously with any generational thing, there's going to be gross generalizations and things like that. And, you know, I'm sure the stuff that Shay and I said where we were like, Gen Z does this doesn't apply to every single Gen Z. But I do think that it's a useful conversation to have. And we would love to have any Gen Z person listening to this or anyone with particular opinions on this topic or any topic, if you want to come on or send us an email or if you have any additional resources or things like that we can definitely do follow-ups in later episodes and make it a little bit more of a dialogue and I hope no one feels attacked and I also love that people send us emails because it makes me feel like you're listening and that people think that we have a sphere of influence and Mm -hmm. you know I think I've always said this from the beginning the moment that you get haters is the moment that you know people care Yeah. yeah I agree. And people had a strong reaction. So I definitely welcome it. All right, campers. We love you and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.